Hey everybody, this is Trevin McGee from Lawrence.com, and I am here with Eric Moline from SceneStealers.com, and we have two guests today. <clears throat> we have Alan Rapp and Aaron Weber from DadsBigPlan.com, and uh, what are we doing today? Why, why? Well, today, I'm glad you asked, Trevin. Today, we're going to look at the summer of 2011. We're going to go through from May to August. We're going to tell you what we're excited about. We're going to tell you what we're not excited about, and we will probably talk about at least one film that could signal the end of cinema as we know it all right well let's get started we're not going to talk about april because april's not summer we're talking about may and the first big movie we have for may is on the 6th and it is thor there's at least one person in this room who's really excited about that it is thor yes i have to admit i, I uh i've been cautiously optimistic up till now uh you know it's a good decent cast you know the lead helms were the little kind of an unknown quantity but it's thor it looks to be big, dumb, fun, and so far the trailer delivers it. So I'm going to go with it cautiously. Yeah, this might actually be pretty good. This is Aaron from Dad's Big Plan Talking, by the way. Um, that was... This is Eric from Scene Stealers. As you know, if you listen to this podcast and you've heard my annoying voice, the thing that made me excited about Thor was the fact that it was going to be directed by Kenneth Branner. Mm -hmm. He's done Henry V, he's done uh, Hamlet, and uh, unfortunately he's also done Frankenstein, which is the movie where he's all buff and has a sweet perm mullet, and he's trying to deal with Robert De Niro as the monster. And I think Branner's proven that he is not uh, a quality director all the time. He's just not consistent. Yeah. So I'm hoping that Thor is going to be a, a good character-driven kind of movie about this guy who's dropped into the modern... I mean, I don't know that much about the comic, but... I, no, the premise for the movie is that he comes from yeah Asgard and is dropped into right. the... Common world, and, and, it, and it could go either way. I mean, Anthony Hopkins is in here in his usual, you know, uh, medieval philosopher role from from any number of movies, sure. uh, you know. And but let, let, let's be fair. Anthony Hopkins will film a birthday greeting for the right page. That's true. It's true. So, and you know what? He'll have fun doing it. It was true. the only th fun thing to watch in The Wolfman. And that's, even that's though true. I hated Alexander, it was a hoot watching him yeah. uh, cheese it up. So. I don't know. I hope the movie delivers, and we don't have to look for Anthony Hopkins for unintentional. Yeah, uh, there's not a, there's not a lot of studio support that gives me confidence right now. I know that they they uh, retrofitted it with 3D, which is always a shaky sign because that's a way they try to hedge their bets to make yeah. their money back in case the movie underperforms. You take you delay it a f few weeks or for a little while. You retrofit it in 3D, and then you can charge 12 or 15 bucks a ticket and make back more just in case. So my, my, I'm a little nervous. Yeah, about my that. biggest concern is with Hemsworth himself. The, the more I see for this movie, the more it looks like Flash Gordon to me. Which, if it's that good, if it's that fun, that's fine. But it looks like a really good supporting cast and a main actor who can't really carry his own. But if, it, if it's a campy train wreck like Flash Gordon, that, 20 uh, years from now we're going to be great. going, "Oh my God, that movie was awful." Awesome. Hot hail. Yeah. Hot hailstorm. Burning hail. Like All right. Well, let's move on from Thor. That's the one big one we have for the 6th. We're going to go to the 13th, and we have two for this. We have Bridesmaids <laughs> and Priest 3D. This might be where I take my vacation. No, I'll tell you what. I'll tell you what. I am going to spend it in the theater. I'm going to mount a, a defense for one of these movies. I think wait, wait, Bridesmaids. No, 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 no. Bridesmaids looks like it could be really good. It's directed by Paul Fig, who was half of the team, the half that nobody ever talks about that brought us Freaks and Geeks. It was written by Kristen Wiig, right? So she actually wrote this movie. She's had it in development for a really, really long time. It stars a ton of great people. Uh, John Hamm, Maya Rudolph, Ellie Kemper from The Office, 
uh, Rose Byrne, and it's one of those movies where it's a high concept film. It's just really easy, right? These the, uh, this chick's planning a wedding, and there's a bunch of bridesmaids in it. So maybe it's like a, a rated R comedy from the female perspective or whatever. But the buzz coming out of South by Southwest, huge on this movie. Yeah. And I know Fig's great. It was big on Hamlet too, though. So I, I don't really take a lot of South. There, by there are Southwest at least two people or, in this room that really like Hamlet too. Hey, I'm not knocking him. <laughs> I'm just saying <laughs> I, I, I take I Film Fest me. buzz at you know yeah. a grain of salt because you get movies like Hamlet Greensburg too. Greensburg got going. great buzz at South by. We'll yeah. Put it that way. Uh, to me, I look at this and I think, okay, that this is probably going to be this year's like Whip It, like that level oh, of what? You don't think it's going to go anywhere? Whip It kind of flopped. Like people dug it, the, the ten people that saw it, it was a yeah. really you know a solid movie. movie okay, but, but let's let's be honest, female, dri- of- female driven comedies are a hard sell. I'm gonna say that this is gonna do for Kristen Wiig what Superbad did for Michael Sarah. I'm going that far. I really? think this cemented is his hit. descent into yeah. mediocrity. <laughs> yeah, why don't you say why don't you say forty year old version? Why don't you say Steve Carell in forty year old version? That's way more. Well, I mean, <laughs> he'd already been in movies up till That's that point. So, so as we were talking way, about decline, as we're on the concept of declining careers, Paul Bettany, yes. Priest. What happened to this guy? I had high hopes for yeah. him. For those of you that don't know, Priest is this action-adventure 3D sci-fi thing movie. Uh, we'll call it a movie, but I'm going to use air quotes. And it takes place in a um, religious-based future, and va- and then vampires are involved. And there's a scene where he drives a motorcycle in the desert. That's all that I really <laughs> and, and think the, there is. And the priests are remember. hired to fight vampires. Yeah. Pri- priests Didn't now they they're like elite. Didn't they're John elite Carpenter soldiers. Yeah, like funnier. Was that the one on Mars? I forget. I, I, yeah. <laughs> so yeah. Anyway, <laughs> priest looks like a cash grab. Well, yeah. It was actually directed by the same guy that did Legion. So Paul Bettany is reuniting with the director from his past uh, sci-fi or whatever. Is he reuniting or fulfilling his obligation? He's he's probably got something on him, right? I think he does. Jennifer Connelly. Look, it's either this or just wait around for the next Iron Man film. That's all you got, Paul. Oh, so week of 517, Pirates of the Caribbean on Stranger Tides. I have one thing to say about this. Fuck this week. No. <laughs> Stay out of the theaters this week. Yeah. I mean, you've gotten rid of the female lead. Orlando Bloom's not in the movie. Right. You got the cute little boy, Kira Knightley's not in the movie. No. Wait, what's left? Well, I'll tell you Johnny what. There wasn't, there wasn't anything left in, in two and three. So, I, honestly, the fact that Bloom and, and Knightley are gone doesn't really do anything for me. It doesn't make me think it's going to be... The only thing that makes me think this might be better... Is it's directed by Rob Marshall, yeah. who at least is not Gore Verbinski, right? So uh, I don't know. I mean, well, Gore, Verbi- Gore Verbinski. I mean, what has this guy done, right? He did he did Pirates one, two, and three. He did the Mexican. He did the Ring. He didn't do Twister. That was uh, Twister. Yeah, but he did he did the Vanishing, didn't he? No, or did he do the original Insomnia? All I'm saying is Gore Verbinski. Uh, is is out, and we know what he's going to do. He did three movies of it, right? He ran out of ideas after the first one, so bring Rob Marshall and see what he can do. But I'm, you know, t- I'm not. You realize we are talking about a movie that's based on a Disney ride, and uh, we're talking about the third sequel of a movie based on a Disney ride. Right. So uh, there's no. This one's this one's 3D, and then the only other thing, that, the one thing that I am slightly um, optimistic about it is Ian McShane as Blackbeard. I like Ian McShane. He's a great villain. Um, and I think that if he chews scenery, it would be some fun scenery to watch get chewed. As long as he calls everybody cocksucker, you know. It's right. And Penelope Cruz is in it, and she's, uh, you know, a pretty lady, a pretty lady, just okay. like Karen Knightley. But if it's going to be Penelope Cruz 3D, 
there better be naked. I mean, make me, make me earn my $12, you know, because the rest of it's going to be unwatchable. Speaking of unwatchable, let's look at the next week. <laughs> oh, God. Okay. I'm seeing uh, two, two sequels. Uh, one, ha- one of which I'm very excited about. The Hangover uh, Part 2 which and Kung Fu Panda 2. There you go. So let's uh, okay. Let's hear. It. Defend the Kung Fu Panda too. Kung we have Panda, a big Kung I, Fu Panda. I, I I loved Kung Fu Panda. Okay, it was one of my favorite movies of that year. I, I put it on my top ten list. Above Wally. Above Wally. Yes, I what? did. It's it. Get out. It is just pure entertainment from beginning to end. Uh, and, and and although the story is pretty well finished at that point, you do have you know what's next for these characters, and I'm I think there's plenty of story there. I mean, I'm. Fairly happy that so they're they making another one. A restaurant and a mall. And yeah, that's yeah. right. New, a noodle shop. So, Hangover Two. Who, who's anyone at, at all? Any enthusiasm whatsoever? At this table, no. In the, in, as far in as the, the country is concerned, yes. Yeah, it's the. I mean, it was the number one grossing comedy ever. Um, so, or the, the original was. So, I yeah. think it, expectations are high, and I know a lot of people are looking forward to it. I didn't really care for the first one as much. There were some moments that I thought were all right, but it just seemed really. I don't know, forced. Um, I thought it was a fine comedy that, that came out in a year with not a lot of good comedy, so it got it kind of got... Yeah. I was, I'm just a little shocked that you've got a trailer that's almost bereft of any jokes. Well, that could be a sign. On yeah. the other hand, on the other hand, uh, Todd Phillips, the director, right? Yeah. Uh, Due Date just came out last year, <laughs> and that was a terrible, terrible movie, and it really showed his weaknesses. If he doesn't have a great setup and a cast that can carry him, he can't do anything with it. This was an ordinary road trip comedy, and even with Robert Downey Jr. and Zach... Yeah, I was going to say, don't fault the cast, because you've got Downey Jr., you know... Right, but I'm just saying, the setup was tired and old, and we've seen it a million times before. At least The Hangover had one thing going for it. Nobody ever talks about this. The best thing about The Hangover is that there was an actual mystery involved yes we're laughing as they're trying to figure this out but they were trying to find out what happened to their friend and i've seen the preview right and i've seen the preview for this movie and it looks like they've lost him yeah it looks like the same movie they've lost a different guy yeah yeah yeah. they lost his uh there's a new there's a new trailer out that actually explains the plot a little bit and ed helms is getting married to some someone not from the first movie and and um he goes out on a bachelor party with Galifianakis and Bradley Cooper and then his fiance's brother. And then the next morning, um, they wake up in some flop house. They, there's a monkey involved. So, so where's Justin Bartha? Nowhere. He's married. not nowhere in there. Really? Yeah, he, he is he is listening. So they, in they've the got to find he's gotta find his future brother in law okay. is the whole premise for the new one. So the and somehow Kim Jong is in it again. Like they they figure out a way to get him back right. in there. Uh, well, I mean, you know, look at it this way. Todd Phillips is not the great comedic director that everybody thought he was after The Hangover. I'm just telling you right now. He doesn't have the chops, and he's not going to be able to pull this off. So it's up to the cast to make this funny again. And I don't know. I'm not I'm not optimistic. We'll see. So we can move on to the one that you actually are optimistic Yes, about. this is my pick for the entire summer. I'm really, really excited about The Tree of Life. It opens in limited release on the 27th, which means we'll see it in Kansas around July. Right. Or so, November. Yeah. yeah. November. Yeah. Uh, but honestly, you know, the tree of life is uh, Brad Pitt and, and Sean Penn. Uh, I believe I believe that Brad Pitt uh, plays Sean Penn's father yeah. in the 50s, mm-hmm. and Sean Penn um, plays that character all grown up in the present day. Uh, it's called the tree of life. I don't know anything about the plot. I've heard there may be a dinosaur or two in it. 
and I heard that it goes way back to the beginning of time. All I know is this is Terrence Malick. It's the guy that did uh, The Thin Red Line, Badlands, Days of Heaven, and uh, The New World. And if you like slow movies with a lot of beautiful poetic imagery and you like thinking about things while you're watching movies, then this will probably be for you. It yep. is completely antithetical to the way pe- people make movies these days is the way that this guy works. And, and yeah. for that reason alone, I'm, I'm excited. In his movies, I do get lost in them, and they do envelop me. Mm-hmm. I understand other people think they're pretentious and ponderous. Uh, I think that about people like Zack Snyder when they try to do something ridiculous. I mean, this is his fifth movie in, since 1968? Uh, what, Badlands was 73? 73. 73. Yeah, yeah, I think. Yeah. So this is his, yeah, he's done five movies in... Thirty-seven years. He's on the he's on the Kubrick timeline. Okay, yeah. give him some. Kubrick time. was probably <laughs> oh, yeah. than, than Malick. One of the things I'm the reason I'm excited for Matt, for Tree of Life is I'm I'm in the same camp as uh, as Eric. I'm I'm a huge Malick fan. I yeah, think yeah. Thin Red Line is one of the just the most gorgeous war films ever made. Yeah. Um, and I'm glad that we're going to have one release in the middle of the summer mm-hmm. that's that kind of antidote where everything else is going to be hyperkinetic and hyper fast and jump cuts. I'm going to get to sit in a theater. And just be enveloped in this gorgeous slow world. And if it can connect with an audience emotionally, because all these, let's be honest, like every movie on this list is pretty devoid of, of you know, an emotional center. Um, I can't believe you're saying that about Priest 3D, or Kung Fu Panda 2, even. Oh, oh. But, but yeah, if, the, if if it can, yeah, be sort of like you said, the antidote to that. Um, now, let's, now, yeah, the, let's move on to yeah, June. The, the next week we get our second of three Marvel Comics movies of the summer. Mm-hmm. And My which, Marvel, baby. And which one was the, probably the one we're all least looking forward to. Yeah, I, I, I actually, bit. I don't know. See, see I'm... I'm X-Men fanatic most of my life, X-Men, and, and yeah. the movies are just... United is what we're They're just consistently lowering my appreciation right. for, the, for the franchise. This, I'm kind of like, all right, so an X-Men reboot, great. Yeah. But we're going to use some of the same cast members that were in the films that we've seen. Or now, not is it, same, is same it a reboot characters. if it's called X-Men First Class? What exactly does that mean? Well, it has to be somewhat of a reboot because the official word was that Wolverine, you know, X-Men Origins Wolverine was canon, was taking place in the same world. Right. Okay, but we already got Emma Frost as a teenager in X-Men Origins, and now we're going to see her as a young woman in January Jones, January Jones in 1964. So as opposed to 1975. Now, of all the choices about this movie, the one that I like is that it, they are putting it in the 60s. I think that's a. There, there are a lot of things I'm excited yeah. about. It's you know yeah, to, a, to not explain it to explain a little bit better. Um, X Men First Class is it's a prequel or it takes place um, in the 60s, um, and it's about a young Charles Xavier and a young Eric, uh, you know, Lyncher, Magnus, whatever you want to say, Magneto, basically um, coming together and sort of forming the X Men. And then the divergent paths their philosophies yeah, take them. The, the schism occurs. Yeah, the and, they, yeah, and they, they go in opposite directions. And so you get to see a lot of the characters, not a lot, a few of the characters from um, <clears throat> the uh, the other movies, um, the Brian Singer, and then um, we won't say who the other director was. <laughs> but you get to see some of those characters younger. You also get to see some characters that weren't in any of those other titles. Um, but I'm actually really interested about it. Um, isn't it... Uh, Correct me if I'm wrong. Isn't it Matthew Vaughn that's directing it? The, yeah. And he did, and he did Kick-Ass. I'm like, 
He did kick ass. He did some other stuff, but uh, didn't he do? He did layer kick too, did right? Layer, right? So you know, it's kind of the, the throwaway of that whole layer kick. Stardust. Stardust. Yeah, Stardust. Ooh. It's kind of got a little bit of fondness for it. A little bit, but just because it's worth. Anyway, he takes chances, and he hasn't he hasn't dabbled in a single genre over and over again. Here, which I the one thing I'm looking forward to: Kevin Bacon on the big screen oh, in the summer as Sebastian Shaw. Leader of the Hellfire Club. I'm, I'm really curious how that's going. to I am too. Uh, honestly, I'm I'm actually looking forward to it. I think the setting is is a brilliant place to put it in the middle of a Cold War, yeah. Cold War hysteria. I think that's a great idea. Um, I think there's a lot of promise there. I don't know who wrote the script, but I, I really like. I think there's some smart things going on there, and I hope that it looks great. And honestly, the trailer. I mean, just some of the visuals in the trailer, like when they're when they're going to, when they basically intervene in the Cuban Missile Crisis, that looks awesome. Visually, that looks great. Yeah, the, the Blackbird and, and the missiles and all of that looks fantastic. So um, I am more cautiously optimistic for X Men than I am Thor. Yeah, I'm yeah, actually. Yeah, I'm actually. actually Michael Fassbender and James McAvoy to me are, are are good reasons see, to be. See, excited. for me, it's kind of the opposite because I, I I have less emotional investment in Thor as a character, so it. It doesn't. It, it can't hurt, hurt me as much, you know. I'm crucified at this table, but I hated all three X-Men movies. I didn't like any of them. So that's a, that's a opinion. So I, I, I was I, I was disappointed that. in all of them in, in different capacities. I think they definitely. Um, I think they. I think that two's the best, but I don't think two's great. And I think the first one's good. We've got a big slate ahead of us, so I'm just gonna not not. I'm just no. I'm just not gonna. You're not gonna dignify that. No, I'm gonna say I respectfully disagree powerfully with uh, especially with X two. You want to talk about the next week? So go ahead. Yeah, Yeah, Super Eight. This is uh, the other movie I'm excited for this summer. Uh, This is June 10th. Super Eight is coming out. This is J J Abrams, his follow up to Star Trek. And uh, uh, Steven Spielberg, executive, produced this. And I think when you watch the trailer, you can absolutely see Abrams is going for that classic kind of, you know, 80s, late 70s, early 80s Spielberg family uh, suspense sci-fi vibe. And I'm really excited about the, the, the prospect of this. Basically, there's these two kids in 1979 in Ohio who are shooting a Super 8 movie. They witness a train wreck and something's coming out of the train wreck. Now... I know there are there are trailers out there that reveal more than this. Not but, very much. But no, I don't much. I don't want to know any more than this. I am I am a firm believer. Not don't see the trailers. I think he's a, a consummate storyteller. Um, I, I thought Mission Impossible Three was the best of the bunch there. Oh yeah, for sure. Yeah, and I, I'm really excited. I know he's the hype master and he's really good at that. But but this movie, uh, for my money, looks like the classic summer movie of old for and, the summer. Yeah. I, yeah, I'm on the fence for the most part with, with Abrams. I'm not quite as, as as fanatical about it as you are. I watch these trailers and I think it seems so odd that they're slightly subverting the normal Spielberg mythos. I mean, this you watch the trailer and you're like, okay, what if in Close Encounters of the Third Kind and E.T. it, it was kind of a bastard? Um, you know, instead of a dead father, or instead of a dead father, you've got a dead mom. And, you know, oh, okay. so it's, it's kind of like this slight... <laughs> parallel universe version of Spielberg and that's enough to make me go yeah, okay I want to see this I want to see yeah. how he pulls this off well as long as he uses penis breath which isn't in the recut but I just I flashlights just... for guns I want to see a lot of flashlights <laughs> for guns, guns. no I, I'm, I'm looking forward to it I can't figure out what kind of movie it's going to be because I know the new trailer makes it look like it's going to be E.T. I remember the teaser made it look like it's going to be a monster movie and then there are scenes in the new one that make it still look like it's going to be a monster movie, so I can't really figure it out. I do know that as long as um, you put a J.J. Abrams movie um, with a like a tightly cut trailer and a Michael Giacchino soundtrack, I'm 
pretty much on board every time because every time he's done that, I mean, the Star Trek trailer, I was like, I'm okay. Let's let's do this. So, I'm I'm super excited for that, and that might be my my most anticipated one from the summer. Let's let Alan bring our next week into bear. Oh. Martin Campbell directed Goldeneye, which is uh, one of the only Bond movies in recent memory that people actually really like a lot, and he's also directed Green Lantern. Your name is Alan? You know, this is DC's only big movie of the summer. Well, Marvel has three. Yeah. And I have to say, the uh, they, they showed some footage at WonderCon, and it's hit the internet over the past few days. And I've watched it, and... It hasn't um, excited me. I, I'm I'm more concerned than I was before I saw it. Um, so Isn't it funny? It's always the suits, right? Well, like we're, and, always, we're always like, what are the suits going to look like? Well, they look ridiculous in the comic book. What do you think they're going to look like, right? <laughs> yeah, but they but they seem Just to make them more ridiculous on film. That's what's so bad about my, this. My, my big problem. My big problem is in the in the trailer you see the home world of the Guardians, the aliens who give the Green Lanterns their rings. Magic wish ring. Yes, mm-hmm. which is awesome, by the way. But in, in the trailer, it looks like they live on a planet like Dagobah. I mean, it's just kind of like, you know, these weird vines and everything's kind of creepy looking. It's like, these are the most advanced people in the entire universe and they can't build a building. To, to date, DC's done a really bad job of, um, every time their, one of their films comes to the slate, they, they don't do a very good job of um, embracing kind of what makes that character great. It seems like everything that they've done up to date, you know, Nolan's Batman's, Superman Returns, Green Lantern. It seems like they're trying to step away from what makes those characters iconic and try to subvert them and redefine them for a modern age. And that's a mistake. And just embrace what works about. Maybe it's just that DC's characters don't hold up. Oh. You know what? We're going to save that argument for a different podcast (laughs) because that would take up the rest of the episode. So, Bad Teacher. Who's loving on Bad Teacher? On the 17th. Um, let's just talk about this real quick. Looks like Bad Santa with a lady. Well, and that's Diaz. kind of what it is. Cameron Diaz is going hard R. Uh, Jake Kasdan is directing. Yeah. Uh, she's a bad teacher, and she's dumped by a sugar daddy, and she targets one of her colleagues as her next lover. And if Justin you, Timberlake. Yeah, Justin and Timberlake. If, if and that, to this, me, is like... Yeah, if, if you've seen yeah. this trailer, basically she's speaking the same way that Billy Bob Thornton did in yeah. Bad Santa to kids. So you can tell that she would have been fired from the school in about 10 minutes. But yeah. every, every summer needs us throwaway. So the week after that, six, June 24th, we get Pixar's entry this year, which, Alan, I know you're excited about. I, you know, I, I enjoyed Cars a lot. I, I, I really did. It's, it's the only Pixar movie I've never seen. It's, it's, a great, it's a great movie, and I just love the look of, of the characters. I, I love the look of the cars. And... John this one's kind of a spy movie, isn't and this it? one is because they go overseas. Well, Lasseter and, and, and Lewis, yeah. Right. So you know, they go overseas for for basically a European tour and basically get involved in some kind of spy mystery. And because so, I want to see a car rifling <laughs> through a file cabinet. Of course you do. Who doesn't? With a little flashlight. And so yeah. I, I just you know, cars, cars is gorgeous to look at. It's it's incredibly well designed, and I like that it held up to Lasseter's original idea of you know let's talk about the the feel of driving cross-country, and let's convey that. But I have, I mean, out of all the Pixar films, which I'm a diehard fan of, that's like, to me, that's below A Bug's Life. I just have no connection to it whatsoever. But, I mean, I'll give this one a chance because it's 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 Pixar. Pixar. Their worst is better than so many studios. The the only thing that really concerns me about this, I 
I, I'm okay that they made another one, but but I thought the the first movie kind of told the story that needed to be told and it was done. You don't. This doesn't really call well, for a this, sequel. This is one of Disney's you know mandated sequels. Right. So yeah. We'll see how that works. Any Transformers. Oh God! Let's move. I'm hoping we can skip that. <laughs> <laughs> Seven one. Yeah. We well, I want to remind everyone listening that Eric Moline has given positive reviews to both of Michael oh Bay's my Transformers God. movies. Uh, <laughs> which is which is like one step away from being the guy who furloughed Willie Horton. You know. <laughs> I mean, this is in my defense. I will say that the first Transformers movie. Uh, if you view it as a love affair between a boy and his car and as a teenage sex comedy, it's a really funny no. movie. No, yes, not. it is. Teenage I have no, sex comedies have boobs listen, in them. I have no love for the Transformers as an entity even, before listen, I saw that movie, so I, I, have, I don't have to adhere to that. The second one was just and, dumb and fun. Yeah, yeah. I split the difference between... Um, Aaron and Alan and you on the Transformers. I hated the first one and loved the second one. The first one was just bad. <laughs> like, all the way through. But the second one, I actually liked a lot for the same reasons. They kind of gave it, and I was telling Aaron about this, they just sort of gave up on it. You like the uh, robots with testicles? Yeah, it was awesome. Uh, just, they gave up on any any pretense of, of what a good movie is supposed to be, and it was like, what was the first one missing? Giant robots hitting each other. Let's just do a lot of that, yeah, and I don't care what the story, I don't care what the story is, like, it doesn't make any sense, let's put robot heaven in there. minutes of action sequences yeah. where you can't figure out what the hell let's is going just, on. Let's just have, like, we'll have one Transformer that's like a little tiger, and we'll tear his tail out like it's a spine. Somebody named Shockwave is in this. What does that mean? What? Shockwave is, according to the, the ground to the little to the little uh, no. to the little blurb, Shockwave is going to be the, the villain for the new movie now, yeah. because they've totally reimagined almost every Transformer character so far. That doesn't really tell us much, but Shockwave in, as the toy in the cartoon was a really cool uh, kind of futuristic gun. It was actually it was actually the leg- no no that's one of uh, one of um, Soundwave's little cassettes. Um, Shockwave was <laughs> lives on. So- hey hey. Suck it up, <laughs> okay? You open this door. Yeah. Um, Shockwave was up on Cybertron and was actually a legitimate kind of uh, challenger for the role of the Decepticons. Right, and he was right. a great. He was a great character. Well, great character, so to speak. But <laughs> it was a great toy. I mean, it was yeah. a cool toy. It was, it was really, badass. Yeah. But this the, one, I mean, I just I, I they this got point, rid of Megan Fox. For what it's worth. Oh, because so, so he's sticking to his whole thing about less robots this time. <laughs> so. It just means he'll get to ogle somebody else. With yeah, I, think, I think it's important to keep perspective on the Transformers franchise, just like it is the Pirates of the Caribbean franchise. We're talking about a movie that is based on a TV show that was put together to sell a toy line in the 80s. So, awesome toys. So, awesome toys. You know, We're I, about it's, it's not canon. It's not, it's not um, I don't know, it's not a sacred cow to me. I would really like to introduce the next movie, if I could, <laughs> and change the subject right away. When I saw the trailer for Tom Hanks, uh, who's directing this new movie, Larry Crown, and starring in it as well, it's his follow-up to That Thing You Do, which is an amazing movie. Yeah. Um, yeah. When I saw the trailer for Larry Crown, I thought, oh boy, this looks like another kind of weepy melodrama <laughs> where we're supposed to like, you know, get up and cheer. Yeah. And then when the when the when the the font came up. For the title, and it was the same font as Forrest Gump. Yeah, yeah. I was like, seriously? Yeah. I mean, look at it, you know. So I don't know. I I think Tom Hanks, uh, that thing you do is a great movie. Uh, he was a great director on that. I think he's produced some really interesting stuff for HBO. Um, but I am not excited about Larry Crown, in which he goes back to school, <laughs> night school, with Julia Roberts as and a teaches teacher. Julia Roberts. To I just, love. I think it looks awful. <laughs> the, the I, like hope some, I, I, I hope they have some. I hope we get like, like don't look. 
don't look now level of sex scene between Ooh. these two. Wouldn't that make it good? Yeah. This that trailer seriously, I I it needed to come with an insulin insulin syrette. Yeah, I like blacked out from the beatus from that. I just and it's sad because you want you want actors and and, and artists of that caliber to, to put out consistently good work. And yeah. I I, I kind of always want to root for Tom Hanks. Yeah. I like the guy. Yeah, he's you know? great. He's great. But I see this trailer and I go, oh come on! It's like that. You know, your favorite uncle, and then one day he comes over for Thanksgiving and he gets drunk and says a bunch of racist stuff. And you're like, crap, you were so cool yeah. until now. I, and, and I know that, that people are, are at home listening to this are like, are you serious? The font? Yes. This stuff is not by accident, folks. Yeah, it's on purpose. They, this stuff, this is marketing, and, and it looks... Whenever I hear the title, I just think that it's um, like it's a 1960s Michael Caine crime movie. Like, I just it seem like yeah. a Robert Ludlum yeah. adaptation? Yeah. Larry, Larry Crown. Crown. I just expect some cockney boot black that's been wronged. Uh, uh, I think it's time to skip forward to Harry Potter and the Deathly Hallows Part 2. We're going to skip a week to the uh, Yeah, this is coming out on the 12th, obviously the last one. Uh, you said some stuff before. This one's in 3D. Oh, no, yes, it, it, it is in 3D. They they planned to to have the last one in 3D, and it kind of fell through. They they couldn't get it done. But for re- some reason, they're going to do the second half of the, of the last story in 3D. No, so this is our last chance to reach into your wallet. And we're <laughs> right. going to do it with every finger we got. So do you know if it's retrofitted or was it? I I don't know. Okay. I don't think that. Back it, back yeah, they, 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 they was, it was filmed in back. one setting, so they, yeah, they, they wouldn't have. They wouldn't have retro. Yeah, it's got to be a retrofit. So. You know, and and I'm still I'm still on board with the series. I've I've enjoyed pretty much all the movies to this point. I don't think they're all great movies, but I've enjoyed them all. So I'm I'm happy to see kind of one big grand finale and, and it's go so out. Off and on for me that it's, I'm just ready yeah. for it to be over with. Honestly, right. I'm just tired of them and ready for them to be. The week after Harry Potter, or no, the yeah, the week after Harry Potter, seven twenty two, we get the movie that I've been waiting for. This, to me, this is the summer for me. Captain America, the first, first Avenger. Avenger. I'm just I, I I've been on the fence. I wasn't excited about the casting. This is a an origin story. We've got a World War II uh, period piece. We get to see awesome the whole thing. Stuck with that too, and that they didn't try and like make that the prologue and then set it. So X Men is sixties, and this is forties. Yes. yes. Wow. Isn't that, so ah. isn't that cool? Maybe but we get Fantastic Four correctly. Almost, but this is the movie that I mean. This is what I've been waiting for Marvel to get to because at, if we're going to talk about the Avengers as being their big tentpole for the next movie cycle, Captain America is the one that you have to get right because yeah. he's the character who holds it all together. And we've got Joe Johnston who, if you look at his filmography, <laughs> is it's uneven. And I'm, I'm the first to say that, but he gave us The Rocketeer, which to this day I will defend as one of the greatest, uh, most well-done superhero films for keeping a tone and keeping it light and upbeat yeah. and deciding that, okay, we're going to do a period piece, we're going to do a superhero piece, it's not going to be gritty, it's not going to be tongue-in-cheek, we're going to take it seriously and give it a little bit of class. We're also talking about the guy who, Design visual Boba director, Fett. designed visual Boba director. Fett, and the visual uh, director for Raiders of the Lost Ark. Mm-hmm. So there's a chance that we're going to get a movie that's infused with that same yeah. sense of You know when you're going back to the 80s and the 90s to, to talk about the good stuff that this director's <laughs> well, yeah, done yeah, here. I mean, he's, he is a visual director. I think he's only as strong as his script. I think he's got some weaknesses. I hope the script's tight. I know they brought Joss Whedon in to do some punch-up for yeah. it so that they would tie back into Avengers, so that helps a lot. I think the cast is perfect, um, and I think it really... Um, I, I Actually, I read a piece a week ago that really... It was the, the, the piece that kind of pushed me over the edge, but they put out an AP story or something um, with Joe Johnston as the main focus, 
And he said that during the making of this movie, whenever they weren't sure what to do, they would ask the question, what would Indiana Jones do? Which is great. And, I'm, and it's perfect. Yes. Yeah, that's, that's what I, I want to hear. teaser, I kind of went, oh, I don't know about this. But when we got the full... Twitch spot. Yeah. When, we, yeah. when we got the full trailer, I mean, it was just 100% nerd reaction. Which, which was my exact opposite reaction to Thor. The teaser was like, okay, I'm kind of interested. And then the longer trailer of Thor made me, I'm not so sure. Yeah, but, but you have like... other problems. So, <laughs> so But yeah. Captain America, that's going to be my... My call for the for the uh, that's your movie of the year, okay. and, and it seems like uh, Chris Evans might be okay. I mean, I was a I'm little fine, I was I'm a little unsure with that Evans. casting, but it seems I, like he I might think be he's going to be great. I'm yeah, actually I, fine. I go with back him. and forth on him because he's got that I'm still handsome and funny, and I know it. Look, right, and, and I, I want but I think that's kind Marcus. of a character that he's been sort of forced yeah. to play over and over again. Too. That's true, but there's, there's one last thing I want to say about Captain America, and one of the reasons I like it so much is that the thing that we have lost with all the superhero movies is that. That, that idea of idealism and somebody yeah. who can, who represents the best of us. Right. And I think now is a very good time to have Steve Rogers introduce, reintroduced to the public as somebody who tries to inspire us to be better. We don't want somebody who makes us dress up all in black and beat up homeless people you, you in the street. Get, you didn't right. get that from Superman Returns? Oh, no, I didn't. <laughs> <laughs> no, I didn't. But so I'm excited for that, and, and, and I hope they pull it off. I, I really have the, you know, high hopes for, for this one. Yeah. So... Now we, we we're moving on to the 29th, the, uh, the last weekend of uh, July, and we have two adaptations. We have one that's a comic book and one that's a cartoon. Uh, Cowboys and Aliens. <laughs> which, 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 which looks like to me, uh, turn off your brain and it might just be a great popcorn movie. Uh, this is Cow- Cowboys and Aliens to me just looks like the film that justifies every 3 a.m. stoner conversation mm-hmm. where you come up with your own movie. and uh, You so, know that the first time somebody saw that poster, they went, Oh my God, dude! We could totally do that. So, um, for those of you who don't know, Cowboys and Aliens is based on a comic book. It's directed by uh, John Favreau, who did most recently Iron Man, Iron Man Two. Yeah. Um, and actually, this is the project that kind of got him to fall out. Got him. He kind of fell out of favor with Marvel Studios over this project, and that's why they kind of shoehorned him out of the Iron Man franchise. Well, I thought it was um, Iron Man Two was just kind of. Yeah, that might have been it, but yeah, you know, Marvel's notorious for screwing with their directors, and they they definitely pulled one over on Favreau because they they were shopping for a director when he still thought he had the job. Yeah, but, that, but, this, but this cast, I mean, Daniel Craig, Harrison Ford, Olivia Wilde, who's let's face it, easy on the eyes. Uh, it, it's such a ridiculous cast that, or a ridiculous premise with a great cast that I, I kind of think so I, I'm with you, Alan. Um, meets aliens, just like the title sounds. It's a period style movie, um, except you've got hyper advanced aliens that come come to the old west and start. I'm kind of hoping that this is like, and, and, and if I'm thinking of something to compare it to, I want this to be like Tremors, yeah. where it's stupid and fun, but you find yourself staying on the channel when you flip right. to it and you go, oh, oh, that was right. I know that everyone involved is really taking it seriously because yeah. when when it, they screened it or when they screened it when they showed footage at Comic Con, it, it got a lot of laughs or a lot of whoops and cheers and I remember reading a story that ran after that I mean Harrison Ford was surprised that it got the reaction it did Favreau was really disappointed that it got sort of the comedic reaction that it did um, and so the marketing is supposed to be super serious all the way through because they, they intend it to be an actual serious you know well, the, the grab trailer, you by the balls yeah. action movie and the trailer I saw was definitely and it's geared called, towards that yeah and they're all geared for that and it's called Cowboys and Aliens they have high hopes I guess right <laughs> Uh, so now, oh, and then no. and then we've got no, Smurfs. Yeah, you've got to come back to your. You've got to introduce this one. Well, well, I, I'm going to have to leave, um, and I think that it, it's perfect to leave on this note because I think that Smurfs 3D might be the best film of the summer. 
<laughs> that's all I'm going to say. That's that's a little bit different from what you you said prior. Well, to I can't. The I can't. On. I can't reveal what I know, but I uh, I've heard from an inside source that the um, that this movie may be the end of cinema as we know it. <laughs> so I will just leave you with that thought. Good night. <laughs> Farewell. So we have Smurfs, um, oh, and man. it's just like it sounds. It's a live action. It's a live action 3D Smurfs. Um, which is basically, but, but yeah. basically, it's Muppets Take Manhattan. Hank Azaria is Gargamel, which is actually kind of inspired <laughs> casting if you think oh, about no. it. But yeah, it's going to be a train wreck, and, and I'm kind of sad about that. Uh, you know, Smurfs is one of those things where if um, everybody grew up with the, with the cartoon and all the figures and things, but if you ever had a chance to see kind of the original Belgian comic and the original short film that they did, it was actually this kind of bizarre, you yeah. know voiceless creepy fairy tale tale. Mm -hmm. and i was you know there's no way they were going to do it but but quite frankly i'm more willing to sit through smurfs 3d than the film of the week week after yeah rise of the apes no rise of the planet is it see there's i've I've seen both (laughs) so now we we now we have we have a prequel to planet of the apes on august 2nd which the public was demanding that you asked for who yeah who lost the bat (laughs) He was like, "I'm gonna, I'm gonna throw this shot glass at a hooker, and if it makes it between her dress, you got to make this movie." I mean, that's that's all I can think of. This is one of those out of control bets. Apparently, movie producers hang out in a lot of saloons. I guess. <laughs> oh, I guess. I no, mean, I, I don't know how it happened. I think it really a, just speaks to how completely uninspired and, and bored everyone is in Hollywood at this point. Because I mean, to make a prequel to a movie that I mean, the last time anyone had any exposure to it was. When Tim Burton made his horrible remake in oh. the early 2000s, yeah. so like there's there's no attachment, especially in this generation or the generation that's younger than us. There's no attachment to this 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 franchise at all. It's yeah. not like anyone grew up and you know holds it in reverence. That's under but 35 or Marky 40 Mark, years old. Note though, here note this: so we're gonna in this summer we're gonna have uh, we're gonna have a prequel. Mm-hmm. Of a remake of a film, and the next week we're going to have a remake of a film, both of which had starred Ryan McDowell. Yep. So, next week, the week after, I'm going to save the first one on our list, but Fright Night 3D. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm on the fence on this. I love the original Fright Night. It's one of my favorite. I, I have my list of vampire films that I can handle is like an inch high, but Fright Night is right there at the top. It's just a fantastic, fun, yeah. enjoyable film that that managed to take to do what you're supposed to do with a vampire story, which is take these monsters and use it to tell another story, which in the original case was an allegory for kind of gay panic in, in Reagan America. Right. Um, I don't know how you do that this time around. It's an interesting cast, and I'm kind of excited for that. It's got David Tennant in it, taking Roddy McDowell's role, so Doctor Who loved there. But, you know, what? why? This, this how do you tell this yeah. allegory again? Our week is just a blah week to me. I yeah, we're talking about the 19th now. We moved so, on yeah, from the, 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 the second. The week of 3D, so Friday Night 3D, Spy Kids for 3D, which hopefully this will be the movie that Carla uh, gets to gets to actually. 3D, 3D, 3D. Yeah. So, uh, but Conan 3D, I, I'm going to admit there, there's a little part of me that's kind of going. Okay. You, you kind of want it to. I'll give it a shot. It to be good, I but want it not, to be. You're not you know, expecting it to be. I have a very there's a very special place in my heart for the 80s and early 90s Schwarzenegger action movies and whenever you try and remake or do something different even if even I know it's a, it's a, it's attached to a character or a franchise that existed outside of the movie it's not it's not really a remake of the Conan movie that was directed by John Melius with screenplay by Oliver Stone 
it's you know it's it's just a reimagining of that character from the comics, right? Yeah. So I'm I'm able to deal with that, but I really just I love the first Conan the Barbarian so much that I just can't even imagine this movie being something I I want to see. It's a genre that I want to see if if it can survive this age. Yeah. If if that whole shirtless sword and sorcery. Well, what'll be interesting is, is if this movie's a success, does Red Sony go back on the drawing board? <laughs> you know, it, it keeps getting thrown, you know, under the bus every couple of years, but keep, somebody keeps bringing it up. So, you know, what I'm kind of curious about with it, with this this entire summer is it it, it seems so lopsided and mm-hmm. how it's plotted because I mean, once you get past, you know, in, in, my, in my personal opinion, once you get past Captain America, we start to kind of we're kind of yeah. the trains coming back into oh. the station all the loops are done there's not a lot and, in the month of august i mean but 826 i mean final destination five seriously yeah i mean wasn't wait wasn't the last one called the final destination the final it, destination that's what it was called that's yeah was called. well so this is the finaler destination the final this is the final destination or or which i mean it, it's kind of think about that we have how many films this year that are the fifth in a series, mm-hmm. or the fourth, fourth in yeah. a series, or a, a remake of a remake, or a remake of a film about a cartoon. I mean, this is just, if there was ever an argument for, you know, can Hollywood actually come up with any new ideas, this summer is pretty good, pretty damning indication that they can't. I mean, I, in my personal opinion, 1986, best summer ever. We've talked about 24 movies, yeah. okay, of which um, seven are completely original projects. That aren't that aren't based off of a comic book, TV show, or a sequel. Seven. Seven of twenty-four. Are we going to count Super Eight? Because it kind of looks like a remake to me. <laughs> <laughs> Six if you don't count Super Eight. Yeah, there we go. So yeah, I, I, it's, if anything, I mean, last last summer was pretty bad too. We had what? We had Inception, Iron Man two, and then was there anything else even worth remembering about last summer? I, oh, I, Toy I, Story I, three. three. Yeah, I mean, and, and that's the one to me that that still. I'll, I'll actually rank that above Inception, as yeah. you no, know. No, I, I won't rank anything from last year above Inception. I, I loved it. Really? Yeah. Really? Yeah. Really. The Matrix wearing a nicer set of clothes, and, and you're really not going to put anything above it. Okay, we're not going to start this fight. You can't dress nicer than the Matrix. <laughs> That's true. That's um, true. So yeah. I mean, these are our summer movies. We've got 24 of them. Seven of them are originals. The rest of them are either sequels or remakes, or based off and, of and basically intellectual property. You know, a couple of those originals are kind of counter-programming, like Tree of Life. I mean, so it's. Yeah, so yes. it's 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 looking like a pretty standard year um, for the summer box office. I uh, I think the two big runaways, in my opinion, I think are going to be Captain America, and mm-hmm. I think is going to be huge. And then I think that Super Eight has the potential to get huge. I really hope so. I, it's been a long time since we got to get uh, we got a dose of that kind of hopeful, Spielberg fun magic. Spielberg magic. Yeah. I mean, the last thing we get, we get that comes close to it is Munich, and holy crap, that was dark. Right, but. Yeah, so it's it, time to get another dose of that but, but that you know, doesn't studio, involve... Studio uh, execs are looking at this list and they see money, 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 money. money, money. Oh, so this is, a great, this is a great summer bankable for them. Franchise. Yeah. Well, franchise, potential spinoff, bankable franchise, remake of a bankable franchise, reboot of a... Brand, yeah, that's, yeah, I mean, it's you can see the dollar signs, but we'll see. We'll see. It's The real challenge now for directors is how do I do something original or compelling when I have to work with something that already exists. Um, this is Trevin McGee from uh, Lawrence.com, and on behalf of Eric Willeen, who left uh, SceneSteelers.com. Did you notice he walked out, like, clutching that transformer? Oh, yeah. He was just petting it and, like, talking to it, calling it names.
And uh, I'm Aaron Weber from Dad's Big Plan, along with... Uh, Alan Rapp from Dad's, Dad's Big Plan. Thank you again Thanks for a lot, guys. Back. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> Thanks for coming. And, uh, yeah, we'll let you go. Have a good weekend.